Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. That's where we're going to be. We're on a series called Navigating the Unknown. And this is what I know. Tomorrow will be unknown to me. And we've said this many times. I don't know what uh, is going to happen tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. And so do you. Verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Drop down to verse 26, please. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel. In the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're walled, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's the giants. Uh, The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Let's pray. Father, open up our ears, our heart to receive. We give you praise and glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Back in 1967, Sister Mildred, who's sitting back here to my right, took the Herculean effort to take us as a youth group to Six Flags over Texas. Now, most of us had never been to Six Flags before, and it was a very small group. We probably didn't have maybe uh, 12, 13 at the most. So uh, Sister Mildred loaded all the kids in her car, and then we had to borrow a car, borrow a car from my, my grandfather, who had an old red Dodge that had a wolf whistle in it. Does anybody know what a wolf whistle is? You put it down in your uh, your manifold, and you run a you run a string to the front of it, and as you drive down the road, you can pull the string. <laughs> so Mildred is driving the car, and uh, my cousin Monty is driving the other car. He just turned 16. I have a permit, and we're headed to the Metroplex. The Okies are going south. <laughs> And we're headed to Six Flags, and she has reserved a a motel for us, somewhere lower than Motel 6. (laughs) And so we're driving in the Metroplex, and Mildred told us, said, follow me, please do not get lost. Well, if you've ever driven in that area, the traffic is horrible. And being, you know, 16 and 14 and 15 and and driving down there, and you've never done it before, so we're trying to follow her. But sometimes you get into a lane you cannot get out of. And so we came to a junction in the road. There's probably four or five lanes there. And Sister Mildred goes one way, and we go another way off the off-ramp. And you should have seen the look in her eye when we separated. So hours later, we did find the motel, and, and then, um, then she showed up later um, with the other kids. 
And it was quite a, it was quite a little episode. I can remember it very clearly to this day. <laughs> but you know, it's one thing to uh, not know how to get to a destination, but it's another thing to know how to get to a destination, but you refuse to go. Two different things. And that's what's happening in this story. Now, uh, Moses is instructed by God to get the leaders to go out and spy out the land. And, and, and one thing that we know is that they did go. I mean, they, they came to Kadesh Barnea, and they went out to spy out the land. And so, therefore, they come back with their port, and that's what we're reading today. Now, the word spy here is a little different than, than our definition of the word spy. You know, I spy, uh, you know, uh, Russian spies uh, and, um, you know, spies from other countries. But the word here in the Hebrew means to search out, to seek out, to explore. And if you're going to the unknown, you have to search it out. You have to explore it. You've never been this way before, so you're searching out the land. You're going to a place that you've not been before. And this is the promised land, and, and we're searching out, or they're searching out the promised land. They're seeking out the promised land. They're exploring the promised land, and, and in our lives, we need to be exploring the promises of God. And the promises of God are yea and amen. So we're exploring those. We're searching those out. We're seeking those out. So what do we need to learn here? What do we see here in this passage? And so today I wanted to give you just three things. And if you jot those down, I think it would be really important to you to know how to embrace the unknown, to go to the promises of God, and to move forward in your life. Here's the first one. If God has given it, we need to possess it. If God's given it to us, we just need to possess it. If you'll look back to verse 1, he sends out the spies, but look at verse 2. He said, which I am giving. Say that with me. Which I am giving. Now let's all say it together. Which I am giving. This is what God is saying. I've already given you the land. We're not waiting for God to give them the land. We're not looking for them to give the, the land, uh, to receive the land from God. How many of you know God's already given the land? So today we have to understand God's already given us some things. And we need to embrace those. We need to possess those. If God's giving, why not possess it? If God's giving something to you, why not possess it? How many of you know who Aretha Franklin is? Aretha Franklin uh, grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Her dad was a pastor. She learned to sing in church. How many of you know that's a good place to learn how to sing? She's the first woman ever to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She has won about uh, 18 Grammy Awards in her life. And... Songs like, I'll Say a Little Prayer for You, um, I Feel Like a Natural Woman. Now, that's a song. I don't feel that way, but it's just a song. Um, R-E-S-P-E-C, Respect. That's her signature song. You, you, you can probably remember that. She died last year, 2018, and they found in her home $1 million worth of checks she had not cashed. The royalties from her songs. How many of you would cash the checks if you had $1 million worth of checks? How many of you are lying to me now? If you lie, you fry, okay? So if you had $1 million worth of checks, I think you would cash the checks. So if you have something, but you don't act on what you have, it doesn't do you any good. Here they have the promises of God, the land of God, that God has already given to them. Now they must go what? They must go possess that land. Now, question, how do you possess it? 
That's a good question, Pastor. I'm glad you asked it. But look back at verse number one. And the Lord spoke. Say that with me. And the Lord spoke. So I have to believe in what God said, right? So he said, I've already given you the land, so I must believe what he said. If he said, I've, I've received the land, then I've received the land. So question, why did they fail to possess the land that God has already given them? Now here's the odd thing. The answer is actually found in the book of Hebrews. The writer tells us this is why they didn't possess the land. There was a whole generation for 40 years didn't possess the land, and they died. Only two of the original group crossed the border that was of any age to possess the land. That was Joshua and Caleb, and you know the story. But look with me in Hebrews chapter 3. Now, let me just say this. In, in the Bible, we added chapters and verses later. So when it was written, it was just written. It was, a, it was a letter. It was a correspondence. It was a prophecy. But we sectioned it off, and that was a good thing. But sometimes we stop at a thought, but the thought continues in the next chapter. Okay. How many of you got what I just said? All right. Chapter 3, verse 16. And this is what the writer does. He gives us five questions asked. So when you look at these verses, it's question, 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 question. Verse 16. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into or enter in his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. So why did they not go across the border? The answer is what? Unbelief. But it goes on. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, say that with me. Therefore, whenever you find a word, therefore, you have to ask, why is it therefore? Since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, the good news, but the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So God gave the word, but where was the disconnect? They didn't mix their faith with what he said. So God is speaking, he's speaking to you. You said, Pastor, wait a minute, today's my first day. God's still speaking to you. Yeah. Well, I don't know much about the Word of God. God's still speaking to you. Yeah. Well, I, I've been in church for 50 years. God's still speaking to you. How many of you know God's speaking to all of us? I'll guarantee you, if I go out to my car today and I turn the ignition on and I say, uh, you know, how come my XM radio's not broadcasting? You know, here would be a very simple solution. Pastor, you've got to push the button on. You've you got to push the radio on. Just because I don't hear it doesn't mean they're not broadcasting. Just because I don't believe it doesn't mean God's not speaking. This is the deal. Their unbelief kept them from the promise that he had already given them. They weren't waiting for him to give the land. He had already given the land to them. They just had to believe what he said. Now, this is important, and I want you to, to leave with this in your spirit. The word must be mixed with faith and activated by works. The word must be mixed with faith and then activated by works because without works, the faith doesn't work and faith without works is dead. If you go to 
Lowe's or Home Depot or the local lumber yard, or if you go to Ace Hardware and you buy paint today, let me tell you almost 100% what they're going to do. They're going to let you pick out the paint, they're going to take the paint, put it in some kind of machine, and they're going to screw the top down, they're going to put the lid down, and they're going to hit a button, and that paint is going to start shaking. And it's going to shake and shake and shake because until it's mixed up, it's not going to be very good. And then if you paint and then you decide, I I've done enough and I'm going to get back to it later. And then six months you get back to your project, Carrie. Um, oh, I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about me. And you decide, I'm going to paint some more. I'll guarantee you what you need to do. You need to flip the lid off, find you a paint stick, and you need to start stirring it up and mixing it up because all the good stuff has now settled to the bottom. Now let me tell you what he said. He said they did not enter because of unbelief, because they did not mix his word with their what? Faith. So there, there's the word. God already spoke the word. So they had to take their faith and mix it with his word to take the promise, embrace it, and have it. But they did not cross because they did not mix their faith with his word. Can I hear it? Amen. There was an entire generation that did not enter the promised land, not because it wasn't there. They just didn't believe it. Not because they didn't possess it. They just didn't believe it. And they exalted something else above the Word of God. And so everyone from about, you know, 20-something-ish under, 40 years later, possessed the land. But only two, Joshua and Caleb, they're, they're the only older generation that possessed the land. Because that generation did not embrace the promises of God and mix it with their faith and then put action to their faith. And that's the word for us today. So... You do know there's a scripture in, in the Bible that says the just shall live by faith. You, you do know there's another scripture in the Bible that says the just shall live by faith. You do know there's another scripture in the Bible that says the just shall live by faith. You do know there's another verse in the Bible that says the just shall live by faith. Why is he repeating himself? Because the just shall live by faith and he will have no pleasure in the soul that draws back. How many of you know that's in the same line? You should live by faith, but if you draw back, I will have no pleasure in you. Guess what? He had no pleasure in this group. This generation he had no pleasure in because they did not mix their faith with his word. They drew back. They got to the border. They didn't cross the border. What did they do? They drew back from the border. A lot of border talk today, isn't there? I'm talking about the border. I'm not talking about the border you're thinking about. I'm talking about this border. Kadesh Barnea is the border of the promised land. They got there. They spied it out. But they did not cross and embrace and take the promises of God. Question for you. What has God already promised you that you're not possessing? Is it happiness? Is it peace of mind? Is it his love, his grace, his salvation? Is it your opportunity to change your life today? Is it your opportunity for a second chance? How many of you know God is a God of second chances? And he has an opportunity. He's already given it to you. All you have to do is believe it, embrace it, put action to it, and then you have some promises that God has for you.
So we have to realize that we have sometimes failed to embrace and receive what God has already promised to us. I'll guarantee you that somebody here today needs to turn their life around. Somebody here that needs to start a new journey. Somebody here that needs to go forward, fix the marriage, fix your life, fix the addiction. And that's a promise that God says you can have that, but you have to embrace it and receive it by faith. Can I hear an amen? Now, here's the second thing. If God promised it, we should what? We should possess it. But the second thing is, don't let the problems look bigger than the promises. Don't let the problems look bigger than the promises. Look at verse 27. In verse 27 to Numbers 13, they're rehearsing the promises of God. Listen, I love the promises of God, don't you? So they're going to rehearse it. Here's the rehearsing of the promises. The land does flow with milk and honey. It's a very fruitful land. We brought back some of the fruit from the land that we despised out. Now, now th this is interesting. Do you know that they brought back a cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry? Two men had to take a pole, put one on the shoulder, one end on the shoulder. The other man took the pole on his end, put it on his shoulder. And there's this huge honking cluster of grapes hanging between. I've never seen anybody walk out of Walmart <laughs> with that big of a cluster of grapes hanging on a pole between two people. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen anyone in any grocery store walk out with that big of a cluster of grapes on a pole between two men. It took two men to carry it. And they said, here's the pomegranates, here's the figs. It is just what God said. What he said is absolutely true. But then there's verse 28 and 29. So they saw the promises. It was exactly what God said. But look at verse 28. The people who live there are strong. They live in large fortified walled cities. The descendants of Anak are there. That's the giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Termites. I mean, they're all there. They dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of Jordan. You know what they're doing? All of a sudden, they give the promises in verse 27, 28, and 29. Now they begin to elevate the problems over the promises. Folks, listen to me. If you start elevating the problem over the promises, you'll shrink back too. I'll take a step back. Here we are at the border. We're about to possess what God's already given them. All I have to do is go forward and take it. But they see problems and they forgot to see the promises. And they rehearse the promises, but they let the problems get bigger than the promises of God. Listen, don't elevate your problem over God's promises. You're going to face walls in your life. You're going to face obnoxious people. You're going to face people who don't maybe want you there. You're going to face the giants in your life. But I'll guarantee you the God you serve is bigger than the giants. Bigger than the walls. Bigger than the obstacles. Bigger than the opposition. The God you serve, the promises of God, are bigger than the problems that you and I face. So please do not elevate the problems over the promises. And this is what I know. All of God's children got problems. But this is what I also know. All of God's people have the promises of God. The promises of God are yea and amen. We have precious, 
promises according to the Word of God. The promises come over and over and over and over in the Word of God. So I would embrace the promise over the problems. Here's the third thing, the last thing. Be careful how you see yourself. Be very careful how you see yourself. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? Well, let's look at the story. Numbers 13, drop down to verse 33. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now, I, I want to just give you my opinion here. This is not the Word of God. This is my opinion. I think I'm right. If you think I'm wrong, then come see me after service. I don't think they asked the giants, do we look like grasshoppers to you? Oh, grasshopper. I don't think they got any comment from the giants that they looked like grasshoppers. Look at the passage again. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. That comes before the giant line. Okay. Their view of themselves, the view that they had of themselves, tainted how they thought everybody else looked at them. If someone thinks they're ugly, you cannot give them enough compliments to turn that around if that's the view of themselves. If someone doesn't like their body type or who they are, you can't give them enough compliments to cure that inner voice in their life. We have to be careful that we don't think the wrong things about ourselves. We don't see ourselves as we think we are in a negative light. You see, our challenge today is not what our critic says about us. Our challenge today is not what the enemy says about us. Our challenge today is not even what people at schools say about you or what your friends say about you or what they post about you. The challenge is what you say about you. That's your challenge. That's my challenge. Because what the enemy says about me, what someone else says about me, doesn't determine who I am. Their opinion does not define who I am. It does not define who you are. But what you say about you, what you think about you, defines who you are. And so we have to be careful. What we say about ourselves really does matter. It, it really colors our entire world. So I don't know what you're saying about yourself. I don't know how you're viewing yourself. I don't know how you're looking at yourself today. And, and you may have a lot of maybe faults and, and issues that you're focusing on. But let me tell you, don't look at the problems over the promises of God, right? I do this at the end of the service many times. I ask for you to do a positive confession. And the reason I do that because the words out of our mouth really do matter. What we say really does matter because even though our mouth is saying it, our spirit and our soul is picking up the words that's coming out of our mouth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. When Carrie and I moved back here from Edmond, it wasn't too much longer that I quit my job and went full-time in the ministry. And some of you remember that. Most of you do not. Uh, it was many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> so I had worked uh, in the old business, in the old investment business for some time. And then we uh, left that and went full-time in the ministry. And let me tell you, the first few years was pretty tough. We didn't have very many people, not a lot of folks. 
and we didn't have very much money. Sometimes I didn't get paid because there just was no money. Um, so I remember one day when, when Carrie came to me and she said, Mike, we're going to have to do something. You're going to have to go back to work. All the money we've saved is gone. We're going to have to move. Something's got to happen here. And I can almost remember verbatim what I said to her that day. I said, Carrie, it's hard for me to believe that God brought me here to bankrupt me. But when you're there, it's tough. And you may be there today. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day. You know what you're doing? You're walking in the unknown. And you see all the problems. You see all the difficulties. You see all the things that could go you know, wrong and, and, and could go south with you. But you know what? You've got to hang on to the promises of God. And you have to keep confessing what is right and good and, and, and begin to think about what God can do for you and what He has done for you and what He's going to do for you. You see, if He's already given it to me, then I must just go possess it. And I have to keep believing, even when it's difficult. And maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Mike, you don't know my family. You don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. You don't know my job. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've gone through. Listen, we've all gone through it. Just look around. Whatever you've gone through, I'll guarantee you there's probably somebody else in this auditorium that's been through it too. Amen? Well, it's cancer. I lost my husband or my wife or a child or, you know, I've been laid off of the job. Well, hello. Welcome to the real world. I'm not discounting the pain. I'm not discounting the hurt. I'm not discounting the things that can go wrong. But I'm just saying, let's exalt the promises of God above our problems. And let's begin to say things that we need to say and stop saying things that we don't need to say that we are not grasshoppers in our own sight. We are the children of Almighty God. That's who we are. Can I give you some things the Word says about you? I'm not making these up. And I'm not trying to give you the big head. You can think of yourself too highly than you should. And you can also think of yourself too lowly as you should. Somewhere we got to find the balance. Don't get, you know, cocky. Don't get into pride or don't get, you know, exalted in yourself. Get the big head. But don't run yourself down. Can I give you some, some words here? Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. I can run through a troop, leap over a wall. I can run and not be weary. I can walk and not faint. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. My God shall supply all my needs through His riches in glory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I can walk around saying I'm just a grasshopper. I like the other better. Don't you? Matter of fact, I'm trying to step on grasshoppers whenever I see them. And crickets. You see, we, we have to watch how we see ourselves. And if we see ourselves in a certain light, then I think we project that image that other people begin to see ourselves that way. So we have to be careful that we don't project that image of defeat or insecurity or lack. We need to project the image that I am a child of God and I am going to see the promises above the problems because God has already given this to me. I just have to, by faith, now possess it. And that's part of the story here. Let me give you a quote from a very spiritual person 
Christopher Robin, who is the friend of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Always remember you're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Now, I'm not saying that you should go around with some type of pride or arrogancy, but I'm saying this. We've got to think the right thing. We have to realize that we're not slaves anymore. We sing about that today. We're not slaves anymore. We're not in Egypt anymore. That was yesterday. That's who we were then. But God's doing something different in my life today. God's taking me to a good place. He's taking me to a new place. He's taking me to an unknown place for me, but not unknown to Him. And so if it's not unknown to Him, He has my best interest in mind. He's taking me somewhere that's going to be good for me and good for you, right? Good for my family, good for my marriage, good for my business, good, good for my health, good for my eternity. He's taking me somewhere that's better than where I've been. Canaan is better than Egypt. The promised land is better than where I've been. But if I don't embrace and believe and accept what God has already said that he's given me, then I go back to wonder in my little wilderness over and over and over and over again. There's a lot of people wondering. They're not making much headway. They're not moving forward. It's just the same old stuff repeated every day over and over again. And I think we can make up our mind today to say, you know what? If God's given that to me, I'm just going to go ahead and possess it. If he's given me his gift of salvation, today I'm going to accept it. If he's given me the gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to go ahead and possess it and accept it. If he's given me his grace and mercy, I'm just going to go ahead and accept it and possess it. If he's given me a second chance today, I'm just going to go ahead and accept it and possess it. If he's going to heal my heart, I'm just going to go ahead and accept it and possess it. Or I can look at all the problems and say they're bigger than his promises and I'll be wrong, but I can still go wondering that and wonder and wonder and wonder and wonder again. Yep. I want you to bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.